Hello from Plughead Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 558 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for Sunday, April 19th, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Big Tech wants to know who you see. Libra is trying to stay alive. And Bad Robot is coming back to television. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Mixer, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, on a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, on the radio or our website, plughitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are three ways that you can do that. The first is uh, normally on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, but today is obviously a different thing. Uh, you can always go to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio uh, and give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Uh, this show, while it's happening at 1.30 in the afternoon, uh, will be replayed at 9 o'clock tonight, so you can chat with us anyway. Um, uh, you can also, uh, if you're in the New York area or want to uh, join them on the website, you can listen on uh, 88.1 WMLD radio or uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. Or, of course, you can always go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe and uh, see all of our shows and all the different ways that you can subscribe, listen, and watch. Uh, Abram, how are you doing? Obviously, we're doing the show... At a totally different yeah, time than so, normal. So, uh, my my apologies to everybody, including the audience. Although you get much better lighting of me, so that's like that's a plus, right? Um, uh, like everybody, like a lot a lot of people, uh, I've been affected uh, in my own way by uh, by COVID nineteen. Um, I'm I'm okay, uh, but my wife was recently exposed to it as far as she hasn't gotten any symptoms yet, but she is uh, self-isolating right now in our house. So I'm 100% taking care of the kids while also doing my job and doing the show. So uh, Scott was nice enough to try to, we'll try to squeeze this in during the baby's nap. If you hear an infant screaming <laughs> on the background, uh, my apology, my apologies in advance. It's just my daughter trying to, 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 uh, voice her opinion on the show uh, but hopefully she stays uh hopefully she stays uh asleep uh while we're while we're doing this well you know what um, you know what so, uh, jimmy jimmy fallon has his daughters holding up props during the tonight show so you know it's it's a weird time yeah, and I everybody's mean, doing what they need to do so it's we're fine yeah, i mean you know my my son is is eight and he's okay. He's just gonna like he he just um, uh, sits there playing Minecraft all day, uh, which is unfortunate, but uh, it makes it easy for me to do this. But my daughter's fourteen months, so right. uh, so I can't quite yet deploy her to to hold up props. Maybe another <laughs> maybe another six months or so. I did just give her her first tablet uh, this uh, this week uh, because. I took an old tablet that we had lying around and I installed some toddler apps on it for nice. her. Um, so I'm poisoning her with screen time at a very early age, <laughs> uh, which I did, which I did to my son too. So I, there are a couple of Android apps uh, that I used when my son was that age that are really uh, good for young, really young kids. She's still learning how to use them though, where it's just 
uh, like a list of eight like letters a b a through z or whatever and you tap it and it says hey astronaut and it like plays a sound or whatever so okay um you know she's fascinated by my son's tablet and any electronics that we're using so i gave her one she's not quite as interested in it as um not quite as interested in it as uh, as I would have liked her to be, but every time she picks it up, she ends up tr- like this is the problem with trying to set up an Android tablet for a kid. Like every time she picks it up, it's like, oh yeah, wait a sec, why are you trying to set up Google now? Or you know, <laughs> why are you trying? Why is why do I see Bixby or something? You know, um, so you're you're, anyway. you're joining a Google Duo chat? <laughs> what? Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I hid all the apps. I hid all the apps from her except for the toddler ones. But somehow you can just tap around too easily. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, if uh, if things get weird and you need to uh, to to deal with a little one, it is not a problem. We will figure something out. Um, but un- unlike usual, uh, let's get right down to it so yeah. that we can uh, reduce... Right. Your time away. This week's Nifty Gifties and F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for that new tablet so you can give the old one to to your toddler, you're looking for a new laptop uh, or accessories, a mouse, VR and AR headsets, or a whole lot more, you can find them at the Microsoft Store. Uh, and uh, right now you can save 200 bucks on a Surface Pro 7. Uh, you can also learn more about the... Uh, the addition to the Microsoft Teams family uh, for for families and small groups, and uh, check out all the deals on the Xbox. And remember, if you're an active student or military, you get a discount on almost everything at the Microsoft Store. And to find out about all of that, you can go to f5live.tv/microsoft. So obviously, uh, we have generally tried to keep our topics away from uh, the one that is affecting most people right now simply as a change. But there is one topic in the world um, that is likely in one way or another to affect everybody, and that is uh, the topic of uh, contact tracing apps. If you're not sure what that is, um, the idea is that uh, your phone on an opt-in program, your phone becomes a mobile Bluetooth beacon, and when it encounters other Bluetooth beacons, Uh, it reports that, essentially. Uh, And then uh, that information gets paired uh, with who has been exposed, who has been confirmed, uh, and allows you and um, others to determine whether or not you have had direct or indirect exposure to uh, somebody with COVID-19. Uh, from a theoretical standpoint, the, the concept is pretty sound. Uh, Bluetooth beacons have been around for a number of years, uh, for a couple of CESs. Uh, we carried one in our pocket, uh, because Android had the, the Bluetooth nearby feature, which allowed us to, everybody we encountered with an Android phone that had Bluetooth turned on, got, uh, our CES coverage as a push notification, uh, so Bluetooth beacons have been around for a while, but this is kind of a new take on them. Normally, it's a a fixed 
thing that is a beacon and other things interact with it. In this case, it's two phones acting as both the beacon and the receiver. There are a couple of issues um, with it from a technological standpoint. Uh, the fact that I can, uh, if I know my beacon ID, I can go grab that dot that I have and reprogram its ID um, and then place it somewhere and screw up the statistics, uh, which is obviously unfortunate. Um, but it's a, this isn't what Bluetooth beacons were designed for. And so, uh, you know, trying to retrofit the technology is going to have its downfalls. And um, somebody like the guy with the, uh, the wagon full of Android phones pulling uh, Google Maps to show false traffic, uh, somebody is going to uh, falsify data. It's just the nature of people and technology. But the real problem, of course, is our general distrust of big tech right now, mostly because of Facebook. Um, I have a feeling that people are not going to want to opt into this, both because of, you know, the, the fear of data collection and, you know, this growing, this growing movement against the government being involved in this. You know, we've seen protests in in Michigan and uh, California and a number of other states uh, something tells me people aren't going to opt into this and both Apple and Google say that if they don't get at least 50% opt-in it's not going to be valuable what do you think Abram <sighs> boy I've thought about this quite a bit because I understand how everybody's feeling in regard to like not trusting uh, big tech or not trusting the government with this data um, and I'm particularly concerned about like the false positive, right? Like, you know, how do we know that if like I drive by the house of someone who has COVID-19 that it's not going to flag me and then then I'm going to be forced to quarantine for for no reason. Hopefully, On the other hand, in fairness, what I was reading in fairness, hopefully they will take uh, acceleration and things like that into account because they're going to do a GPS ping. Uh, on the Bluetooth connection. Yeah, so I mean, hopefully you know, they'll I'm take just... those things into account. But you're right. The, who knows exactly what might or might not cause a, a false positive, even using the technology correctly. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, maybe that's not the best example because driving, they could probably catch you. What if I walk by the house? Mm -hmm. You know, they're inside their house. I walk down the street. The germs aren't going to travel through the door of their house, but the Bluetooth signal will. Right, me and my so, me and my apartment, uh, and my upstairs and next oh, door yeah, neighbors. Yeah, what if your neighbor? Yeah. yeah, what if your neighbors have it? Does that that doesn't mean you have it? Right now, because uh, because so I haven't I, I haven't seen so any of them in weeks. <laughs> right. Yeah. When I used to live, I mean, my right. You know, listen, my house is close enough to my neighbor's house that it probably would ping it, uh, and I never talk to those folks. Um, so yeah, I mean, they could they could have. You know, they could have it and uh, it wouldn't matter to wouldn't right. I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't mean anything in terms of me. Uh, but the uh, the the thing is, though, there's got to be some way, some way of using technology to solve this problem, because like on, we have a, two different two different extreme things uh, that could happen, neither of which I think is very good. One is. Uh, you just open everything up, let everybody go, and 
and uh, a whole lot of people are going to get sick and die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, by the way, I'm not an economist and I don't play one on TV, but I really don't think that that will be good for the economy either, because even though people would like you to think that, because everything in the economy depends on consumer confidence. Mm-hmm. So if you tell me, good news, movie theaters open, you can go, restaurants are open, you can go, go. I. If I know I'm risking my life by going to the movie theater, I'm not going to go even if the movie theater is open and allowed right. to take me. Like, so yeah, so I can't. If you don't create. A situation I can't think where of people a, are, are confident. I can't think of a a business that would be worth the risk for me. You know, even if they said tomorrow everything's back, go. I'm still staying inside. <laughs> right. So they have to convince me that it's safe to go. Like. It, it's not an outlook there. There's a lot of fools. So there's some people out there who will go. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there will be people who have to work for those businesses who are forced to go and they will be putting their lives on the line to make to make a, to make their living. But I think it's not going to be it, there's going to be a lot of people who say I'm staying home because I don't I don't feel confident in my safety sure. going to these places like never in my life have I really thought about like, oh, if I go to a restaurant. I, you know, I could catch something 14 days later, mm-hmm. you know, and, and die or be very sick. So, like, you know, I think people doing the risk calculation are going to say this is too this is too risky, even if even if governments start to say that's OK, just everybody go. Um, so so there's that extreme. The other extreme is we all stay inside for for something like 18 to 24 months, which at which point I don't know what will be left of society because banks are not stopping uh, collecting mortgage from people right. for the most part. Uh, you know, food still costs money. So everybody who, who is out of work is going to end up out, out in the street and they will have lots, have a hard time social distancing there too. So, so obviously the two extremes really don't, don't work. Right. So you have to try to find a way a middle ground to make it safe as possible for people to to go out, go to work, uh, engage in commerce again. And if that means using people's uh, phone for data, you, you know, using in, invading people's privacy, that might be a trade off that we really have to make because otherwise, what, what are you going to do? I mean, maybe what I've read about the contact tracing that they're talking about is actually not is actually too light uh, because what I was seeing is it'll be opt in and it'll be and it'll be anonymous. Mm-hmm. So you're trusting everybody to to be a good actor and all you need is a few bad actors to, to really ruin everything. So I don't see how 50 percent opt in helps. And I also don't see how if it sends me an alert and says, Oh hey, you might have been exposed. Quarantine yourself. If I don't quarantine myself, like they're not going to know. Also, if if the whole thing is anonymous and they give me really vague information, it's hard for me to say I'm going to quarantine myself based on that. Like, right. oh, you passed someone who might have who right. might have had it. Who? When? <laughs> oh, I don't how do I even know? They're an 11th accurate. So they're gonna, an 11th level uh contact from somebody who was confirmed. Uh, okay. Yeah, right? Right. <laughs> what so, what does that mean so to me? Cuz 
the chances are we're right now we're all eleventh level contacts from right. from somebody right. who's been confirmed. Well, I'm gonna tell you right here in New York, I am I am a you know one second level contact of right. people, you know, and frankly that that uh, my wife is exposed. I was probably exposed a little bit too. So, you know, we know a lot of people who have, I know a lot yeah. of people who have it, maybe yeah. folks listening in other parts of the country that haven't had as big of an out- outbreak yet. Uh, uh, don't, don't know a lot of people. I know a ton and I think eventually everybody's going to know a ton. Yeah. So, so, you know, uh, there has to be a more precise way to do it. Uh, the phone seems like, kind of i mean if that's the best that we can do then let's do that but let's do that and let's be unfortunately not opt-in about it because you can't like this is the problem if you're carrying germs around your germs don't stay in your body so if you are saying oh i have the right to do what i want i want my privacy i don't want to you know i want to go out i want to do what i want that's that would be great if it was all just in you, but when you but when you go out and you're, you're spreading germs, the germs aren't aren't respecting the the privacy right. of other people. Right. Right. So, uh, so I mean, I think that we got to do whatever is possible to do contact tracing. I don't know if this is is good enough yet. We should see whatever it is that South Korea is doing and do that. South Korea, South Korea has managed to, yeah, uh, to has got their first infection the same, I think the same time as the U.S. They've had something like less than two hundred deaths. Uh, they have they have stores open and people able to go out because they're doing aggressive testing and aggressive contact tracing. And because like, because they learned they learned a lot of lessons from MERS a couple of years ago. And they are reapplying, which was another respiratory thing. And they're reapplying what they right. learned last time. Now, why aren't we all applying what they learned? Isn't the idea of the medical community that it's cumulative knowledge? Right. Well, part of the issue is not to get uh, too much on my virtual soapbox here, but part of the issue is that you have to actually be willing to do the hard things mm-hmm. and and listen to the scientists when they tell you to do the hard things. True. I think that the populace in Korea is more willing to do is more has been more uh, the populace and the leadership there have been more willing to do the hard things yeah. that potentially do violate someone's privacy. Whereas here we're a very individualistic society and we're like, no, I don't want my privacy violated. I don't want and a lot of people say I don't want people telling me to stay home great but the end result is that every the end result is that everybody is suffering mm-hmm. so people here have to be willing to make a sacrifice uh have to be willing to make a sacrifice and make frankly re- i think the sacrifices that they made make a real sacrifice for a short Korea time worth it yeah make a real sacrifice for a short time instead of a little sacrifice for a very extended period right i mean better yeah. to to do what better to to do what's necessary to keep to get it under control so we can go back to mm-hmm. normal and korea has gone back to quite a bit of normalcy yeah. because they're doing this aggressive testing and contact tracing yep so uh, you know so i don't know if phones are the answer but i think we got to do something agreed and it'll be interesting to see uh 
what the end result of this is, um, you know, whether the opt-in will work or if we see, you know, some sort of a, an update, you know, push it into the, into the core of iOS and or Android or, you know, how exactly how it happens, maybe an app update to Google and Apple maps or something, who knows, you know, what the, what the end result is, but you know, uh, like you said, a small, a small sacrifice now versus, or a, a, a big sacrifice now for a short period so that we can get life back to normal. Seems like a pretty reasonable, pretty reasonable place to be. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. While you're using the internet, uh, one, we talk, we're talking about giving up a little bit of privacy, but it doesn't have to be everywhere. You can uh, maintain your privacy when you're browsing the web, uh, using uh, other features on the internet, uh, keep your distance from Google and Facebook and even your ISP by using a service like PureVPN. Um, and they've got deals going right now um, where you can get... Uh, if you sign up for a couple of years, you can get a really huge discount. And one of the best parts is that you get a 31-day 30, um, uh, money-back guarantee. So if it turns out you don't like it, it's not for you, you can still get your money back. And to find out what deals are running, you can go to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, Avram, we've got a follow-up to something you talked about Uh conceptually a couple of weeks ago right yes so i uh, want to talk to everybody about some ways that you can still have a webcam uh well i'm gonna talk to you about the the best way uh the the coolest well maybe not the best the coolest way to replace a webcam in your system now first of all some context uh webcams right now are like the hand sanitizer of the tech world they are very hard to come by if you try going out and going to Amazon or Newegg, there's a lot. There's a lot. A lot of them. Most of them are sold out. Some are, are you know, jacked up in price. A fifty-dollar webcam is selling for two hundred twenty dollars. Uh, we talked to Logitech, the leader in webcams, and they said, you know, maybe four to six weeks, uh, you'll start to see more supply. Uh, meanwhile, what do you what do you do if you don't have a webcam? and you need one. Well, one solution that I love and have an article about on tomshardware.com that you guys should check out is to use your Raspberry Pi with a Raspberry Pi camera module. Now, let's say you don't have a Raspberry Pi or Raspberry Pi camera module. That's okay. Those are not in such short supply, especially the camera modules, which go from anywhere from like 10 to $30. and you can make it into a PC webcam. That is, you don't need to use it on the Raspberry Pi, although you you could. You could be here like I am on my Windows PC, and you could use you could use it as a webcam. So uh, I'm gonna ex- uh, so I'm gonna explain to you sort of how it works. So um, depending on which Raspberry Pi you have, um, depending on which Raspberry Pi you have, here's a here's a zero. Zero W, um, uh, you can do it a couple of different ways. So here's here's a camera module. You can see that the camera module does not look like a regular webcam. So they're not selling out anywhere because people are not confusing them for for webcams. It cannot hook directly into your PC. 
they hook into this special camera serial port on your Raspberry Pi. So here it is on the zero. Here it is on the zero W, and uh, at the risk of making it fall, uh, I can show. I'm showing the camera for those who are watching. Uh, what it basically looks like on a on a uh, on a Raspberry Pi three. Uh, so what uh, so what you do is you uh, and you you got to read the article for all the details. But what you can do is you can connect the camera module. You uh, you install uh, a piece of software called M MJPEG Streamer. Uh, it allows you to straight to turn your Raspberry Pi into basically an IP camera, you know, like a security camera almost. And then you install a piece of software on your Windows PC that makes your Windows PC think that that IP camera is an is a physical webcam. And that piece of software is called uh, IP Camera Adapter. And it's free. All the things, I'm, all the pieces of software I'm talking about here are free. Uh, all, the only thing you need to, to buy if you don't have is a Raspberry Pi and a camera module. Uh, and obviously you need you need a micro SD card in your Raspberry Pi, but that, that kind of almost goes without saying. So depending on the quality of the connection between your PC and your Raspberry Pi, that will uh, determine how good the quality, how jerky or unjerky uh, the, stream, the stream is. So I'm gonna show you, this is going over Wi-Fi from my Raspberry Pi 3 to my PC, so it's not, it's not perfect. The best, the best way is if you have a zero here, you can actually connect zeros and zero Ws have a special feature where they can connect directly to your USB port. And so it's going directly into the USB on your laptop rather than uh, going over your going over your Wi-Fi network uh, necessarily, or it, that will definitely be better. So I'm just gonna quick show you what it looks like. Now I'm warning you that this camera is the $10 camera, not the $20 camera. So it's not, like I said, if you, if you were one who were watching, who was watching the video, you noticed that the quality was so, so, uh, it really varies based on the, the quality of the camera that you use, the quality of the, uh, of the connection that you have, and you can mess with it by trying different settings. So I had that going at, uh, 30 frames per second, 720p. Um, which seems to work reasonably well. Uh, but if you try dropping down to like 640 by 480, you might get a smoother connection or 15 frames per second. Um, all this I talk about in, uh, in my article, which you can find on thomashardware.com. Um, and uh, that is, uh, and oh, and another challenge if you saw me doing it is the angle of it because uh -huh. uh, the cameras that I have are these little modules that are just like a little tiny square and they don't have any mount. So to put it on top of my monitor, I had to use scotch tape. Uh, there are other modules you can get that are a little easier to mount. So, so, you know, that's why my angle, if you saw, if you're one who were watching it, saw, I had to kind of adjust it. I was physically like moving the scotch tape. Now that's cool. I'm not to say that it's as good as getting a real webcam. Another possibility that we've also covered on tomshardware.com that I, uh, we'll leave out there as we have an article on how to use your phone or your DSLR camera 
as a webcam hmm. so or your tablet. So if you have something with a camera on it, there's a good chance that you can use it as a PC webcam. Uh, the, the only question is, is the quality of the connection good enough that you won't experience lag? And that really depends on a lot of factors that you can mess with. Sure. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, the the video quality uh, that you showed wasn't bad. You know, I, I've got physical webcams around here that give eh, an equally okay I mean, picture. Is, it's not a... This you know, is... It's not a Logitech C920, you know, it's, but it's, yeah. but you know, it's not, it wasn't bad. This is, this is the crappiest webcam. Uh, I should really like say that when I started doing this project, I had the cheapest Raspberry Pi camera around, which is not even the official one. I had like a $10 one that I got on Amazon. And so the sensor in that is not the best. Uh, after I started, after I finished writing the article, uh, I, I ordered a whole bunch of other Raspberry Pi cameras that are still coming in because I plan to do, uh, during this lockdown period, mm -hmm. I plan to do a bunch of roundups of Raspberry Pi accessories. And so I'm going to do a, a Raspberry Pi camera roundup where I'm going to test like seven different camera, awesome. Raspberry camera, Pi camera modules to figure out which one looks the best. I get, almost guarantee that the one that I have here might be the worst. Uh, the official, the official Raspberry Pi camera module v2 which is the the one from the raspberry pi foundation officially endorsed uh uses a completely different sensor than uh -huh. this does than the one that i have does so uh presumably it it'll, it is a lot better uh i just have not uh gotten i have not gotten all the cameras yet for the roundup so i've not hooked them up and so i went off of what scotch taped on my monitor right now <laughs> but if you were really if you were trying to do this seriously as your webcam and not just to not just to write an article about how to do it uh, like I did, then I strongly recommend getting at least the official Raspberry Pi V2 camera that's like $25 rather than a $10 knockoff like the one that I used. I've also seen models like one that I'm getting from Arjucam is the name of the company uh, that is 4K. However, wow. I cannot possibly imagine uh, trying to stream anything. 1080p, which the camera is capable, the camera module is capable of, is too is too clunky and slow over this over these connections. So I can't imagine anybody actually using the 4K as a webcam. But anyway, uh, to make a long story short, uh, check out uh, check out our article, check out my article and the other article about uh, how to use your phone on Tom'sHardware.com and all of our Raspberry Pi resources, including this one and how to use your Raspberry Pi to fight. COVID-19 and all that stuff you can find by clicking the Raspberry Pi uh, link in the top nav on tomshardware.com. Well, Avram, I'm not going to lie. I am, uh, I'm personally interested in, uh, in reading the one on using a DSLR or something like that. I cannot wait to, uh, to see <laughs> that article uh, as soon as we're done because I have some ideas on how to use that. Not quite for the same purpose. So <laughs> yeah. what when I have to do segments from the studio trying to get, you know, our expensive cameras in here to fire up as webcams is complicated at best. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, maybe maybe this will be better. So I, I'm looking forward to, to reading this, and uh, I imagine everybody else is too. And uh, as always, I look forward to uh, what we talk about next. 
This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and console are available from Razer. Whether you're looking for a new keyboard and mouse like the ones we use here in the studio, you're looking for a controller for your PC or your Xbox, or you're looking for a, uh, a whole laptop, uh, Razer is, is officially the top choice in the uh, Tom, uh, the Tom's Guide uh, PC Tech Support Showdown this year, announced this week. Uh, so uh, a Razer laptop is a great choice. Uh, and you can find all of the accessories that are available and all the systems by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. I saw that about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> I thought it was actually it's laptop mag, but laptop mag, but yeah, close yeah. enough. In in my head, it's hard to keep them. <laughs> you were both for so long; it's so hard to remember. Yes, remember where yes. things fall. But uh, I I worked. Yeah, I I for those not who don't know, I used to work for Laptop Mag and for Tom's Guide. Now I work for Tom's Hardware. The difference is, Tom's Hardware we're hardcore. We're the we're the new egg to their Best Buy. Uh, but is the best way to describe it. But uh, our our good friend Sheree runs Laptop Mag, and every year they do their tech support showdown. And Razer had the best support this year. That's that's really exciting, especially for you know essentially uh, a newcomer in the grand scheme of things. You know, versus yeah. the Apples and HPs <laughs> of the of the list. Razer is a relative newcomer, so for them yeah. to take number one is pretty exciting. Um, but back on a more Tom's hardware side of things um, for a long time uh, the badge of honor uh, in a gaming PC was uh, can it run crisis <laughs> crisis was um, depending on who you ask it was either a, uh, a a beautiful or a poorly optimized game and either way um, being able to play when it came out in 2007 the uh, the number of computers that could run it at all was slim, and the number that could run it well was even smaller. Uh, and for a number of years, the uh, the question from any PC gamer was, "Can your rig run Crisis? And if so, how?" Um, and today, it has become more of a meme than anything. Uh, you know, the joke, "Can it run Crisis?" Uh, is you know, in the same category as, uh, you know, making the uh, MacBook Pro uh, touch bar run Doom within a week of the computer coming out. Uh, you know, it's just it's just one of those jokes that persists. Um, but uh, uh, Crytek announced this week that a Crisis Remastered is coming this summer. Uh, and... Maybe it's coming to punish our computers again. There's no telling. They did. Uh, they did say that they are adding, you know, that they're modernizing it. And considering in 2007 it was almost a time traveler from the future, certainly showing, uh, showing us what the the future of PC hardware was going to need to be. Um, it's possible that the PC version, the game will also be available on the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4, and believe it or not, the Nintendo Switch. Um, but uh, it's possible and likely that uh, 
Crisis Remastered will will be here to uh, once again show us the future and uh, punish our computers. What do you think, Abram? Uh, I think, though, that, um, I mean, if you're just showing the remastered Crisis and it's playing on consoles, it certainly doesn't uh, doesn't give you a view as to why you should use a PC instead of consoles. Uh, but you know what does? Minecraft RTX. Right. Minecraft RTX came into beta this week. Uh, I just have to mention that. Uh, and that that you cannot you cannot get on any of the current gen consoles, perhaps on the next gen consoles, you will be able to, cause we hear that they will support ray tracing. Uh, but right now, if you want Minecraft with ray tracing, which makes everything look more realistic, yes, a more realistic Minecraft, believe it or not, you will need a, you will need a PC. Um, uh, and you will need at least an NVIDIA RTX 2060 card. We actually have an article about what exactly what you need to play Minecraft RTX nice. on tomsharbor.com. But uh, so I don't think that Crisis was a snapshot in time of like this is this was the 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 like performance pushing game mm-hmm. of its time. Now the question is, what are today's games? that that are really pushing that are really pushing the envelope yeah and you know uh, obviously anything that involves ray tracing uh is if you want to play it with ray tracing definitely it's uh, a line in the like sand type product yeah because that was something what a crisis like was right right crisis or, was a yeah. was a line in the sand type product it it was designed to only run on hardware above a certain point and there was no way around it. And yeah, there's, you know, anything with that's designed for ray tracing is going to be that same kind of line in the sand type product. Now, I think a lot of a lot of publishers, they want to be compatible with more computers because it's a bigger Mm -hmm. audience for them. So I don't think we see a lot of games that just won't run on anything but the top end. Yeah. You see games that won't give you all the special effects. We see games that won't run in 4K or 2K. Uh, that we see. But if you just want to play and you don't and you don't care as much about the quality, the the frame rate, the the image quality, that kind of stuff, if you're willing to accept modest uh, performance, you can. Most games are playable mm-hmm. uh, on even a low-end graphics card. Uh, the the question because publishers just don't want to limit their potential audience. Yeah, that that exclusivity concept of Crisis, and probably the reason why it's the one even thirteen years later that we're still talking about as as being that that exclusive game is kind of because it might be give or take the only of its type, right? Where the publisher went, we are going 100% exclusive on this and we don't care. You don't see that very often. Normally you see, you know, highly scalable games that can can back themselves down to a certain point like you said to run on on, you know, fairly pedestrian hardware, but you know, as you as the hardware increases, so does the game. The you know, the, the things that it's capable of doing and the beauty of the game, right? The, the art side of the game 
changes significantly as the as the hardware does but we don't often see that that it won't run type game it'll be interesting to see if they they do that here um i i have a feeling that this is going to be a more traditional remaster uh and it's not going to be the boundary pusher that the original was um partially yeah, be- how could it be right okay. And, and how could you, even if you wanted that to be the goal, how do you recapture that that weirdness, that that time when kind of all all of the the computer hardware was changing? You know, we were seeing the end of the the Pentium as the as the top of the the processor family. You know, as the as we started to see the core series take over as, as Intel's top. We saw you know, that's about the time that the ATI became AMD and, you know, video card concepts were changing. It, it was a weird time yeah. in general. It's not going to happen. Like, I don't see it happening ever again because it's just too expensive for companies to come out with games to make them so exclusive. Uh-huh. This is why you see so many, so few titles, so few good titles for VR because mm-hmm. the barrier to entry has been fairly high to, uh, for VR. True. So, you know, it's getting harder and harder to find a game that will only run on the top hardware. When mm-hmm. we do tests, we find really, you know, demanding stuff like Metro Exodus and we run it, but you know, if we wanted to turn it down, we could play it on on very low end stuff. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, we have a guy who writes for us occasionally, who's a YouTuber named Low Spec Alex, the uh-huh. Low Spec Gamer, and he his whole raison d'etre on his YouTube channel, which I highly recommend, is and he does some of these stories for us uh, as articles. He will figure out a way to run a game below the rec- minimum recommendation he will figure out a way to run a game that demands discrete graphics on integrated graphics he will find the secret configuration file that the company doesn't want you to know about and he will find a way to lower the special effects even more so that you could get like 30 fps on your on your uh, integrated graphics so um so anyway yeah it's games are very scalable now for yeah. a good reason they, it just doesn't make business sense not to. And and with that, it's possible that using that scaling, that the game that plays on the on the Nintendo Switch, the 360, what? Not the 360. The original came out on the 360. Uh, the Xbox One, uh, the PS4, might be a different game than even the you know the minimum settings or the the standard settings on the PC and it's possible that you know in the scaling you may be able to get it up to you know that that mythical crisis crushing level but that it won't have the exclusivity of of you know the original release of this thing in 2007 you know when when the only settings were crushing and it only went up from there. <laughs> uh, so we may still see, you know, a crisis crush level of of settings. But yeah, I'm totally with you. I think I think you'll be able to play it. I mean, the original game is from 2007. So you know, even with updated uh, graphics and things, you know, hardware from 
you know, 2017, you know, a full decade newer should be probably fine to play the thing. But it'll be interesting to see if they if they do offer that that mythical crisis crush <laughs> setting level up at the top. Uh, we don't have long to wait. Uh, they definitely intend for the game to come out this summer, which makes sense because the uh, first two titles in the Crisis series took place in the uh, the distant, far-off year of 2020. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Uh, Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the original stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and uh, B-movie oddities. Um, unfortunately, the internet's not working right now, so I don't have a, a great example of a B-movie oddity for you. Um, so let's go with uh, Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny, because it's my favorite. Uh, the way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, uh, Amazon, Hulu, wherever the movie happens to exist, and laugh. There are also live events. Uh, obviously, we don't know what live events are going to look like this year, uh, but there are two theoretically on the docket. When the live events are done, uh, they are oftentimes made available on the website, including uh, uh, Santa the Ice Cream Bunny. Um, <laughs> so, to find out the uh, full-length features, the live events, and the short films that are available, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X good to have a favorite when the uh when the internet fails there in the middle of a promo <laughs> um that one's my favorite because it was filmed right here in the tampa area anyway um so last year facebook announced an initiative called libra which was their kind of homespun cryptocurrency um they put together an association to manage it uh with 22 members of uh of the executive board from you know all walks of the technology and the financial space you know ranging everywhere from obviously facebook to uh visa and mastercard paypal um you know some pretty big names in the space the intention was for it to be a single cryptocurrency that worked globally and uh it its uh, value would be based on the real world so it would be a stable coin um the value would be based on what is called a basket. Uh, if you're not a uh, cryptocurrency person, a basket is essentially a collection of other things that when put together, create your value. In the case of Libra, the intention was for the basket to include things like the US dollar and the Euro, um, plus publicly traded uh, securities and things like that. Um, the exact makeup of that basket was not exactly uh built you know but the the basics of you know uh a couple of maybe stocks and or bonds the us dollar the euro maybe the yen things like that uh were the basis for the coin libra was met with concern <laughs> which i believe to be a pretty big understatement um most of the governments around the world were concerned uh that by basing it on a variety of of uh global currencies that it would take their power away from their central banks to control 
their country's economy and uh, and things like that. Uh, and then obviously privacy watchdogs were concerned that with Facebook's more than two billion active users, uh, that they would essentially have created a global central bank larger than uh, anything that that any other organization could pull off. Uh, most of the governments have uh, have questioned the program, uh, and those questions have led to over a quarter of the original members of the board leaving, uh, including big guys like Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal have all left the Libra Association's uh, director board, which, of course, leaves Libra having to make decisions. And uh, those decisions were announced this week. Uh, instead of a single uh, Libra coin that will be based on a basket, uh, they intend to release several coins uh, based on individual uh, nation currencies. So you'd have a U.S. Libra coin that would be based on the U.S. dollar. You'd have a Canadian Libra coin that would be based on the Canadian dollar, things like that. Um, obviously, that makes the program scale far smaller uh, and larger somehow uh, than the original intention. Because obviously, technologically, it means that there has to be um, you know, a Libra exchange in the middle to go from you know Canadian Libra to U.S. Libra to Japanese Libra, um, and then you've also got uh, the the smaller scale that you know in the U.S. you use the U.S. one, which makes the thing very different. Uh, but it makes payment processing weird, right? It makes uh, all kinds of things uh, bizarre. But it does mean that they're starting to get some government regulatory approvals, which was the thing that we kind of thought might never happen. So, um, I don't know. Uh, the original Libra sure seemed like it was a, a big thing that might do something. I don't know. This chopped up version seems like maybe people aren't going to care. What do you think, Avram? Yeah, I think people don't care. I think there's no there's no need for this. Nobody asked for it. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Facebook would like to get their hands into your wallet like they've gotten their hands into everything else. Uh, so I understand why the business, why Facebook wants to do it. But I don't think that they've presented any great uh, value proposition to yeah. any great value proposition to consumers. Uh, it seems, I mean, are they trying to compete with PayPal or something? Or are they just trying, I mean, because trying to compete with cryptocurrency to create their own currency is not working. So if they're just creating currencies to match other people's currencies, what is the point? Are they just trying to like, to create, are they just trying to compete with other pay systems that are more popular? I mean, granted, pay systems like instant messengers seem to be, seem to be like whatever's hip at the moment although facebook's not particularly hip maybe if they made it uh whatsapp currency instead or or instagram currency it would be more popular uh but you depending know, on I mean, who their target example, demographic I, is for example i always thought that paypal was the way to pay but then i talked to people at at my job and they're like paypal that's for old people you gotta be using zelle or something <laughs> why 
What difference does it make? Yeah. Like so it's built into your checking account, which is kind of nice. But yeah, I I understand. I, my mind always goes yeah. to PayPal when when you talk All about right. stuff like this. But you know, covering the industry as long as we have knowing the yeah. the, the PayPal founders kind of helps keep your mind in that space. Or or it's like I don't I've never tried it, but I heard some people use the Cash App. Like I. I have, I have no, I have no idea why people use diff, different apps. But are people really looking for one that not only is a new payment method, but is a new currency? I mean, didn't we have enough problems with cryptocurrency? And there, there was the opportunity for people to make money by mining it. Mm -hmm. How are you? Yeah, I don't, I don't see what the incentive is for. Uh, for consumers or businesses to mm -hmm. be involved in this. I mean, the idea of a be, before cryptocurrency, the idea of a stable coin was, uh, you know, uh, Xbox points, <laughs> things like that, a very closed loop system. And I don't understand the idea of, of a, an open stable coin. It, the concept has never made sense to me. I have had cryptocurrency experts try to explain it. And the more explanation I get, the further away from believing it makes sense I seem to get. Uh, I I heard, and I don't particularly like the guy, but you know he, he knows a lot in the space. I heard Tim Draper speak about it, and I walked away from it feeling less convinced of it. <laughs> When I started, I don't get stable coins except in a closed loop system like like Xbox. And even there, it doesn't exist anymore because even Microsoft has gone to hard dollars. So uh, I don't know. It seems like yeah, maybe maybe if you're coming from a basket, right? The, the concept that the coin isn't it's stable, but it's not necessarily based on on your currency. It's based on. You know the the global trust in currency as a whole. Okay, yeah, I can see maybe where there might be some value in there because again, there's room to make some money in it, right? Because it's a tradable asset with variable variable value. Okay, there might be some interest there, but you know, just a a one for one to a, to the U.S. dollar or the Canadian dollar or the Japanese yen or whatever. I don't know. That seems silly. I, doesn't seem to make any sense to me so i think i think people should just trade in abrams if you uh <laughs> if you, every every year or so this comes up so i'm just gonna like mention it for the uh for the audience that hasn't heard it before there is a we there is a unique uh group out there called the grand duchy of abram i have no association with it uh but there's some it's some australian group uh it's i think it's technically like a micro nation or something like that like this guy uh set up his own little territory in tasmania and said that he's uh the grand duke of avram uh and he was issuing coins called avrams out of the bank of avram uh and uh and i don't think anybody I don't think they were ever worth anything except on eBay where they're collector's items. Right. Uh, so, but you know, my suggestion, I might be a little biased <laughs> is that people, instead of Libra, 
instead of instead of Bitcoin, uh, people should just be uh, should be trading in Abrams. Okay, so about two years ago, I was bidding on one. <laughs> they're expensive. I didn't know this, but they're very expensive. I looked this up once. I was really tempted because the coins look kind of cool. Yeah, they do. To me. Yeah, yeah I, I was bidding on one on, on eBay uh, d- during one of our shows when we talked about... When we talked about this a couple of years ago, I went on eBay and I found one, you know, and it was, it was, uh, I don't know. It had maybe six hours left on the, on the auction. It was going for like eight bucks or something. I'm like, you know what? For eight bucks, it'll live right here on the wall. Uh, it ended up going over 40 and I wasn't that interested. Oh, that, that would be fairly, fairly cheap. I've seen people selling like collections of them for like a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. See, I, that's an appreciating asset. Indeed. Indeed. I spent I spent time researching the value on them. And you know, at forty dollars it would have been a good deal, but not for a thing that was gonna get <laughs> attached to the wall as a as no. an ongoing joke for our viewers. Yes. Considering yes. this whole this whole backdrop didn't run didn't run forty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see where uh, where this goes. I don't think it's going to go anywhere uh, of any value. Uh, obviously, Facebook disagrees, but uh, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. This week's DRM Not Included in F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. Uh, In addition to your free shipping, you get a whole bunch of other features you may not know about, like Amazon Prime Music, which gives you several million tracks available to listen to for free. You get Amazon Prime Video, where you get TV, movies, documentaries, both licensed and original content uh, available as part of your subscription, you get Twitch Prime, which gives you one free subscription on Twitch every month, which you can use to financially support the content creator of your choice. You can subscribe to Plug Hits Live or anybody else uh, and and help out a content creator, especially in these uh, weird times, right? Uh, but you also get free games, which how can you turn down free games? Uh, they change every couple of weeks, and once they're yours, they're yours, which is my favorite part. Uh, and if we've uh, we've made it easy to find these features and a whole lot more on your uh, on your Prime subscription. And if you're not already a Prime subscriber, we have uh, a 30-day free trial, and all of that is available by going to f5live.tv/prime. So obviously, we've been talking about the uh, rise of all of these new streaming services, uh, the kind of the the big three Netflix Hulu uh, prime video have uh, have a good portion of the market share but you know services like uh, like peacock are taking interesting approaches and uh, having a free tier like Hulu used to um, but then you've got services like um, HBO Max which are taking advantage of the Warner media, a library to uh, to get started uh, on their journey, but obviously we know that the thing that has made 
Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon uh, work has been original content. And HBO Max is working on that as well. Um, last year, Warner Media signed a deal with Bad Robot, which is J.J. Abrams' production company, through 2024 to produce TV, movies, and video games. And the first three projects to come out of that relationship have been announced and are heading to HBO Max. We have a new entry in the DC uh, universe. It'll be DC Justice League Dark, which is kind of the mystical arts aspect of the DC universe. Um, some occult-based characters, uh, John Constantine, stuff like that. Um, and uh, so that'll be coming to HBO Max. There's also a a series called Overlook, which is a Stephen King uh, project based on The Shining, um, which will not be Bad Robot's first uh, Stephen King project, uh, considering they uh, they were in charge of Hulu's uh, Castle Rock series. And of course, J.J. Abrams, the reason he's a household name today is because of uh, other projects in that same genre of Stephen King's kind of weird storytelling. You've got Lost, you've got Cloverfield, both very, very much in that same genre. Um, and if it weren't for those two projects, you wouldn't know J.J. Abrams' name today. Uh, and then you've got Duster, which appears to be an original story um, that will be a partnership between Bad Robot and Warner Media itself. Um, so, three different uh projects all all in bad robot's wheelhouse though i think um and uh all coming to hbo max so you know jj abrams brings people to whatever he is working on uh whether it be you know his his work in the star trek movies the star wars movies the cloverfield universe you know lost it seems like everywhere he goes people follow and so yeah, this might be a good relationship for HBO Max trying to uh trying to to start up in such a crowded field. Yeah. I mean, I don't know considering HBO itself already costs quite a bit of money. I don't know why uh people would want a another service, but uh but these certainly sound very appealing. Yeah, for for sure, and you know they're all they're all obviously Warner <laughs> Warner properties. You know, DC Warner's had a long relationship with Stephen King, and then an original an original story, nineteen uh, seventies American Southwest. You know, what does that mean? Who knows? That's all the detail. Is someone we have. driving a Plymouth Duster. <laughs> is, that, is the show someone driving a Plymouth Duster? Oh my God! You know, if somebody could make that. An interesting series. It would be Abrams. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Maybe it's like you know, maybe the person's just driving around from town to town. There's creepy stuff, and they're driving their Plymouth Duster. I don't know. Just, just, just thinking. I'm on know, board. What does the Duster mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, we've had we've had all kinds of shows that were titled by the car the person was driving. Right? Wasn't there a detective show in the '80s with Stingray or something mm -hmm. like that? You know. You have all kinds of shows about somebody driving a car. Well, here's here's your car. It's a duster. And now, I'm going to start a competing show called Gremlin. <laughs> well, 
Unfortunately, I think you'd have to fight for that name. Because <laughs> I do Maybe believe, Pacer? I do believe there's a media property, <laughs> not based on the car, uh, but with okay. that how name. About, <laughs> how about uh, how about Pinto? There you go. I, uh, there you go. That that'll be my '70s car, '70s uh, consumer car, uh, and. And then, and the uh, name would be would be could be equally misleading because it could also be a bean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, this duster could be anything, right? It could exactly. be like you know, dust across the southwest. Somebody carrying a duster. Somebody inventing a dustbuster. Who knows? You know? <laughs> Maybe it's about a cleaning service. Uh, who knows? It's mystery. But I hope it's a duster car. Um, <laughs> The, the cleaning service. I'm so, I was not prepared for a 1970s American Southwest cleaning service show. <laughs> I mean, who knows what they find? Um, there's some spooky dust bunnies. Uh, and, and, but, yeah, I mean, these all sound like cool shows. I'm really curious whether the DC show is going to have any crossover with the with the cwdc shows which also have constantine on them mm -hmm. it will be uh, interesting i'm gonna guess probably not you know the the poorly named arrowverse um has been confined to the shows on the cw but in fairness the w in cw is warner media so uh, you know, to be to be fair, as a expert on the Arrowverse, who has watched pretty much well, I watch a, I've watched almost every episode uh, of every one of the shows. Uh, don't don't miss them. I never miss them. Uh, Constantine was the, originally an NBC show, and then they brought the character from NBC over to CW. Mm -hmm. So they were allowed to do that. And then for those who watched the most recent crisis on infinite earths crossover, which you should, um, they actually had some really great surprises in terms of bringing, uh, in terms of having them visit these alternate universes where other, uh, DC characters who were never on the CW, mm -hmm. uh, appeared like the original actors. Yeah. So, um, so I think it's possible that they would. It's possible that they would that they would cross over. Yeah, I, and you know it is. They're all Warner properties, uh, so you know it's it's not unlikely that they would that they would try to keep it all together. You know the the TV and the movie universes are different. Um, but they have mostly kept the TV stuff in the last since Arrow, which is why the yeah. poor name for what they call the the universe. Um, the they they've kind of kept all the TV stuff in a line, you know, in a in, in, in one big family. So you know, I I wouldn't be surprised, you know, that HBO Max is a sister of of the CW, so it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be crazy. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I would imagine, knowing J.J. Abrams, my guess is that he will want more creative control than being within 
a an existing box. Yeah, prob- probably um, so. But they did, like you said, they did uh, set up the uh, the the multiverse in a in a very uh, wide way with this last with this last special, and uh, maybe maybe this show or will take place in one of those alternate realities so that he has a little more creative control, but could then cross over into the CW's uh, programming, which would be pretty cool, too. It'll be a reality with nothing but lens flare. <laughs> uh, 2.3 for every minute. Anyway. Oh, oh my God, that movie. Anyway, uh, it, this is literally all the information we have so far. It will be a lot of speculation over uh, over the next probably year to year and a half before we see anything out of this. My guess is that all three of these shows will come out on a staggered uh, release schedule. They won't try and push all three of them together. Um, everything is in a very early production stage. Um, so no telling what our release dates will be, but uh, we do know that HBO Max is supposed to come out next month, uh, but probably not with any of this. So, Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. And uh, if you joined us live live uh, for the first airing of this, uh, we appreciate you joining us at, a, at an unusual time. Uh, if you either have joined us at our unusual time or uh, through subscription would like to join us live uh, in the future, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern at f5live.tv slash join us is where you can find us. Uh, you will also be able to find us there tonight. Uh, and I will be, I will have the chat room uh, open. So if you want to talk, uh, we still can, but we won't be able to respond on the show because it'll be a replay. Um, if uh, you would like to subscribe and to see all of our other content, you can go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe or find us on Facebook or YouTube. Um, for those who have been following along with our special events coverage, uh, tomorrow finally uh, puts an end to the CES 2020 live interviews. Uh, as of right this second, we have four total left, two today and two tomorrow. Uh, and then we get back to unboxings and all the other interesting stuff that we usually do throughout the year. Uh, so definitely check that out. And uh, I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avery. And we will see you guys back next time. Ciao.